Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, um, for the last little while, we've been talking about moving from an old covenant, Old Testament, old wineskin, migrating to a New Testament, new covenant, new wine, wineskin, in terms of prophetic ministry. And we noted that for a lot of people, they default to the picture and the pattern of Old Testament prophets for prophetic ministry. But the book of Hebrews tells us that we have received a superior covenant and that the new covenant is vastly superior to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And therefore, the ministry we have received is far superior. So it seems to me really weird and strange that people want to stick with an inferior model of prophetic ministry. Nay. Yeah. Isn't that strange? It's like he said, listen, I'm giving you upgrades. People say, no, 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 I'll stay with the old. But we know that pouring new wine into an old wineskin, it doesn't work very well. And that's why we get so much mess. Because Jesus said that the skin, it will burst. The skin is ruined and the wine, well, it just falls to the ground. So... When we try and put prophetic ministry under an Old Testament, Old Covenant model, we're actually ruining what the Spirit of God wants to do. Mm. And, and that's basically where we've been for the last six weeks. I oh, know, it's been slow, hasn't it? Okay. But as I've been going through this thing, the more I realize actually how much we need this. Because the Lord wants us to recover, to restore, to regain some of our understanding because he wants to take us to the next level. And in order for you to go to the next level, you need to make sure that the foundations are in good order. All right? So if you've been involved in any building projects and you want to you know, add another level, okay, what does the architect first do? He says, let's open up, let's check the foundations. All right, some of you nodding, you've been part of that process. Okay, I feel your pain. Okay, so what we're doing, if you like, is just going and revisiting some of the foundational blocks in terms of prophetic ministry because this is actually who we are as the breakthrough family. All right, so we are known, you know, people like to put labels, you know, and a hashtag. So we are known as a charismatic church. All right, so what does that mean? Good question. Okay, charismatic doesn't mean, you know, we've got a lively person speaking. Although I hope to be alive, but that's not the definition. Or we've got, you know, very vibrant, lively music and singing. So it's a charismatic expression. Wrong answer. That's not actually what it means. It comes from a Greek word, 
All right? The charismata, meaning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you are a charismatic church, it means that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are part of your life. Not just an occasional thing, it's actually integral and central to who you are as the people of God. And we don't want to be, you know, just charismatic in, oh, we have a reference to that or that's where we came from. We actually are wanting this to be the the lifeblood of who we are. So that even if no one reads the welcome booklet, but when they step in, they're kind of like, oh, I can see what kind of a church this is. These people live this way. Hmm? These people. Like you people. Yeah, you people. No, we people live this way. All right? And so we need to make sure that there's a a proper placing of focus, energy, pursuit of the things that the Bible wants us to do. I, I don't know that I've ever been to a church that hasn't said, we are a Bible-believing church. Have any of you been to something like that? Well, it wouldn't be called a church, would it? Hey? Oh, yeah, yeah. So every church says, we are a Bible-believing church. Yeah? True. Okay. Now, James writes in that Bible, and he says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be? All right. Walk it out. Live it out. Do it. Okay. So last week, if you were here, and, and, and I think some of you were because I felt it a little bit this morning. So I know that some of you were here, but I'll recap because some of you weren't here. How do I know some of you were here? Because last week we spoke about, you know, when you had that thing in the swimming pool. You know, as lighties. Some of you are heavies. But anyway, <laughs> as younger people, we, and some of us are still doing it, but you get in the swimming pool and you create this whirlpool, right? Everybody's going around in the same direction and you create this current. As you all are sort of like pulling on the side of the pool and you kind of go around in circles and you create this, this vortex, And then somebody jumps in, and guess what happens? The current just like takes them around. And we spoke and said, you know what? We as the church, we need to be creating this environment where there's a current, there's a flow, if you like, and if somebody walks in, it's like they're jumping into the pool, and they're just carried along in worship, and they know, like, hey, this is who we are, that in worship, we are all part of the worship team. We've got a few people uh, who've got some instruments and we amplify their voices because their voices are perhaps a little better than some others. And, but we're not jealous. And, um, but, but we all are the worship team. And so between the songs, you know, there are times when the, where the worship team are leading and facilitating, and there are other times when they pull back and they let us facilitate and lead. 
And so we lead with our voices and we begin, to, we, we begin to praise the Lord and we use our own words and our own expression and, and, and they might be taking the opportunity while we are coming to the fore, they can then find you know, the next song and, the, and, and change keys and chords and all sorts of things. That's who we are. And so when people come in, they kind of, oh man, this people, they love to just like enjoy the presence of the Lord and they all are active and participate. And they kind of, whoa, look at these people, they're praising God. And they even like clap their hands. Like they can, like can you? That's awesome, you can. Oh my goodness, all of you. Like I heard about five people this morning, but I wasn't sure if you could all do it. Like it's amazing, yeah. And so, you know, the, the scripture says even the trees will clap their hands, yeah. And if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out with praise. Come on, guys, you don't want to be outdone by a rock. Yeah? Yeah. It's like, come on, even, even out of the mouths of infants, he's ordained praise. Come on, surely you can do better than a baby. Yeah. And so because we create this environment of, of just exuberant, enjoying and celebrating God and, and, and lifting our voice and with all that we are, like when people come in, they're kind of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, I know that only some of you were here last week because there wasn't enough of that vortex thing. But guess what? Next week. Next week, the people who were here last week will be back. And you might be back as well. You might. I don't know. And, and so together... What's going to happen? There's going to be a roar of praise. It's just going to be like wild exuberant. People are going to be dancing in the aisles, even maybe standing on their chairs. Yeah, we have people just like shouting out. Like some of you did this morning. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Loved it. Yeah, but this expression of just like overflow of what's going on in the heart. Not a performance. What's happening in the heart? I'm so, so thankful for the cross. Man, that song was just like nailing me this morning. Partly because like the Holy Spirit had me there yesterday morning. Just like, oh, tears. The cross. All that he's done. Oh, how could you, how could you not praise and give thanks for his goodness? He didn't have to save me, but he did. I was like overwhelmed by his goodness. Why me? Yeah? And so we come together, there's this like this overflow because of it's coming from here, not putting on a show. Like the people on the platform, they're not doing a show. I mean no one's paying money. It's not entertainment. No, we're in this together. Together we're all creating this almost a whirlpool, the current, the, like in the move of God. We're, we're all come ready. Mm, mm, <coughs> <coughs> yes, yes. 
Yes. All right. I know I was somewhere. I haven't started yet. This oak is prophetic. He knows. I haven't even got to the intro properly. So, charismata, the gift, if people come in, it's not just because the booklet says we're charismatic. It's because we are charismatic. And if there's no booklet, they're reading our lives, and they're saying, oh, this is who you are. This is why we, we live in this way, because we are open to the gifts of the Spirit. Charismata, charismatic. Yeah? And in fact, as we saw last week, that we are eager about this. Meaning that Paul, he was writing to the, the Corinthians, but the Holy Spirit ensured that there was included in Scripture for us that we would know what's meant to be a priority of our lives. So he's writing to, to the, the Corinthians, and I mean, they're an amazing church. They're doing some profound supernatural things, you know, all amazing, you know, God things are happening among them. And he says, but hey guys, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, and I want you to be eager. I want you to pursue. I want you to put at the center of the target the bullseye, you know that red bit there in the middle? The bullseye? The major emphasis and focus of your spiritual journey is meant to be on this thing about prophecy, Amen. tongues, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. It's like eagerly desire, not like, you know what? If you've come to the end of your spiritual checklist, got nothing else to do, got some time on your hands, then maybe think about, you know, use it, don't use it. No, he's saying, guys, of primary first importance, eagerly pursue, desire, go after, this is integral to your spiritual journey. This is the number one part of your life in Christ is going after this thing with gusto, like full flames, turbo boost, thrust, off you go. Thank you. Says, I'm trying hard, man. I don't know, which week are you guys? Are you which, trying to figure out like, because I know the congregation migrates in weeks. Laugh, man. Come on. It's just like, it's a joke. It's okay. We're going to get through this, you know. We've only got an hour or so. Help me, Jesus. It's going to be all right, you know. No, come on. So, Paul, he says over and over, and that's what we saw last week. Eagerly desire. Go after this thing. Have this as a priority in your life. It's like, oh my goodness, the Bible is saying that this is absolutely key and fundamental to our spiritual journey. If we want to move with God, if we want to grow in Christ, if we want to be that overcoming generation, guess what? We've got to look at what God says is the main thing, and we've got to pursue that as the main thing. Amen. And if he's saying, 
through Paul, eagerly pursue and desire, go after this thing above all else. Do you think there's a bit of an emphasis there? You guys catch on fast. Of course there is, right? So, hey, what is with so many who don't go after this? Maybe they didn't get the memo. Maybe they didn't get the teaching. Maybe it wasn't modeled. Whose fault is that? That would be us. It would be ours. We need to create. Yeah? It's like we are so gung-ho about this, we don't even change the agenda. And say, you know what? We did it 15 years ago, but we've moved on. Moved on? What? No, 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 no. This is still what we are passionately going after because the Bible says, do this. And we are Bible-believing Christians. And so because the Bible says so and we believe the Bible and we do the Bible, this is what we do. So everybody is welcome, come on, lots of space at the table, big family, and we are going to go flat out after God and after the things of God. And we're going to do it in a New Testament way. Yeah, because, you know, the Old Testament was a shadow pointing to the substance. Colossians tells us that Jesus was the substance. He fulfilled all of the signs and, and all of the prophetic pointings of the old covenant. Sorry if you're sitting on this side, but this is old covenant territory here. Everybody's going to sit that side next week, eh? So, but everything that the, the Old Testament was, was, was pointing to actually was fulfilled in Jesus. So we have the shadow, but we have the substance. And, and the new covenant, the new testament, is superior to the old. So why do we want to default to an old shadowy, old wineskin role model of the prophetic? Yeah? Okay, I've been hammering this for a few weeks. On purpose. Well, because some of you weren't here last week or the week before, that we know. But we also know that repetition helps us to kind of like, okay, I get it now. Like, your, many of your kids are, are studying for, for exams now, and we pray for them, All right, we pray for you. Um, but it's through repetition, they're kind of like, okay, now I really get it. I thought I had it, but now I really got it. And so when it comes to the repetition, as we're in the Word, it's kind of like, okay, it's like layers of the onion. We just get it at a deeper level. And so we're kind of like, okay. So, hey, when I'm watching these guys on YouTube, and they are modeling an old covenant way of doing prophetic ministry, it's kind of like, oh, okay. That's sort of fine. But I'd actually like to come out of the shadows and into the substance. Make sense? So, I mean, this was, was highlighted like end of the service last week. 
if you were, you, yeah, anyway. So somebody wanted to come and bring a prophetic word. And I just kind of like, mm, I don't think that this is where it's going right now. And so I started engaging with a person. And they'd never been in one of our meetings before. First time. Which means they'd missed the last six weeks. And therefore the understanding that we're not wanting to promote an old model. We're actually wanting to upgrade to the new model. And, and they'd missed the part that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not about weddings. It's a beautiful chapter of love, but it's actually sandwiched in between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And so from chapter 11, speaking, speaking about you know, the, the, the blood and the body and discern the body, it's, kind of like, it's not saying discern the bread, like has it got gluten or not? It's like, no, it's discern the body. It's like when you come together, look, having communion on your own, okay, but everywhere in the New Testament, it was when the body came together, they had communion. Just a thought. Chapter 11, the body, going to chapter 12, hey, don't be ignorant about supernatural things. And in the body, everybody's important and we need all the bits and pieces together. And then in, in chapter 13, it's saying, now listen guys, it's with the whole heart of God, which is love. And so prophetic ministry changed with the cross. In the old, it was like, I nearly used a very bad Afrikaans word. Thank you, Lord, for helping me there. It was like, bring out the shambok. And lightning strike the people. Shall we call down fire from heaven? Sons of thunder. And Jesus says to James and John, you don't know what spirit you're of. We see Jesus brings a very big change. So the Old Testament prophets are kind of like, Oh, judgment. It's like turn or burn. Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery, all those who are going to throw stones, they've gone. Where are your accusers now? They've all left. He said, well, neither do I. Guys, sin no more. He's not there with a big stick. Jesus is the prophet. So when, when we get this 1 Corinthians 13 about love and the love of God and not counting sins against you, got it? It's like, I'll show you a higher way. 
Come on, prophecy is meant to be a higher way. That was an inferior covenant. Now I'll show you a higher covenant, a higher way. And chapter 13 is right there between 11, 12, and 14. It's about moving in the gifts of the Spirit, but with God's heart, the heart of love. So when the oak came in, wanting to take the shambok out on the flock, no, we're not going to do that yet. It's not going to do that yet. Now I thought, oh, man. Now I... It's almost like a confirmation. We really need to actually be looking at the subject. It's really important. I mean, people are wanting to come in here and sort you out with a shambok. I mean, how would we... Yeah, okay. Isn't that weird? I mean, who, who would like a beating? Anyone like a beating this morning? Try and find the guy, see if we can come back. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but it's like, wow, who wants to kind of like, yeah, come and give me a beating? No. No. Okay. So this is somewhat important that we actually get the fundamental building blocks. We get the foundation things sorted out so that we can get prophetic ministry to a higher level. Because I, I, here's what I'm sensing. The Lord is stirring something inside of us that is getting us ready for another level of the prophetic. And as we eagerly pursue and desire and go after these things and we sort out some of the, you know, the, the shady bits, the shadowy bits, and we come into the light, we'll do it more accurately if we faithful with little, he'll entrust us with more. We're going to grow in grace. We're going to rise in maturity. We're going to know what to do with the power tools. Instead of being like infants wandering around with six gun. Oh, sorry, I shot my family members. Didn't mean to. Come on, you've seen it, so many reports, tragedies, strikes, family, toddler finds parent's gun and shoots parent. Yeah? And so when people are immature and they've got the power gifts and they shoot each other with it accidentally, not knowing how powerful these weapons are. Supernatural gifts are powerful. We need to use it properly that we don't injure each other. It's meant to be for good, not to bring harm and tragedy. For too long, there's been opportunity for heartache and tragedy through the gifts of the Spirit to occur. Yeah? Okay? And you know, because, we, because we, we, we're getting into the Word, we've got a sense like, hey, if somebody comes in another spirit, like calling down fire, like James and John wanted to do, it's kind of like, no, that's not for us. I don't have to receive it. Why? Because I'm in the new covenant and I'm understanding how Jesus wants us to walk in New Testament prophetic ministry. So when somebody tries to come and dump something on me, I don't have to receive it. 
It's kind of like, nah, look, nice try, but I'm just actually going to. Good old flush is a good thing. Gets rid of some stuff that's a bit stinky. Some prophetic ministry is just stinky. Yeah? It just, it just makes you feel like, okay. But because we know, because we've got the scriptures, this isn't lining with New Testament prophetic ministry. I don't have to receive this. We are empowered. We are powerful. Because the Holy Spirit was, is in us. I mean, this is the big fundamental difference between Old Testament prophetic ministry and New Testament, New Covenant ministry. I think I did this on about week two. Okay? In the in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant prophets had to get it 100% right. The Holy Spirit was only poured out on a few select individuals. Man of God. Have the Holy Spirit. The rest of the people, meh, meh, we don't know what's going on. So a prophet could become a false prophet and lead God's people astray. Because the people didn't have the Holy Spirit, they didn't have discernment. If the prophet got it wrong, stone the prophet. Like as in kill, do away with, because he's leading God's people astray. Old covenant. But the new covenant is different. Why? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Meaning... You have got the Spirit of God. It's not only on a few individual, it's now on everybody. Which means the Holy Spirit is within us and we can discern by the Spirit. This is right, this is wrong. So we can discern prophetic words. Yeah? So we don't have to go around stoning anyone. No one is getting killed and stoned under New Testament prophetic ministry. Why? Because we have the Spirit and we can discern. And if we can discern, it means that we can discern some of it is right and we can discern some of it is wrong. And because we can discern some of it is wrong, we can reach for the handle and flush. We don't have to receive and accept everything that somebody wants to dump on us just because they say, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord doesn't prove anything. Might just be a manipulation technique. It might be, but it might not be. Do you understand? So we're not just taking the words at faith, faith, faith value. At face value, we're discerning by the Spirit. Is this really what the Holy Spirit is saying? Because I have the Holy Spirit too. So my spirit will witness with the Holy Spirit, this is of the Spirit of God. This is right and this is genuine. Last time I checked, he said he loved me. 
Not like he's waiting for me behind the shed with a shambok to sort me out. And so when prophetic ministry comes, wanting to take me behind the shed so I can have a thorough beating, it's kind of like, mm-mm, that's not the voice. So when you're watching some of the stuff on YouTube, you have the Spirit of God witnessing with your spirit, this oak is just mouthing off. There might be parts of it that seem to be accurate, but there's a whole bunch of it that's just actually, he's coming from a wrong model. So we can kind of, okay, three sentences out of half an hour we can live with. You're powerful. All of us are powerful. It's not just only a few people can exercise discernment. We can all exercise discernment. Because he's made us to be a powerful people. Yay! So let's rise up and use the power tools. Does it make sense? Okay. I'm about to start, okay? The oaks on the front row are kind of like, when is he actually going to start? So, so the whole thing is about proper wineskin, new wine, and eagerly going after this thing because there's so much mess and confusion in the world. Yeah? Okay. So we got the eager bit. That was last week. Now, would you open your Bible or turn it on or whatever it is? We're still working on some of our technical stories here. And um, just as of Friday afternoon, the insurance of the whole thing was approved. Yay, 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 yay. And um, the reason why it took so long that they needed to sift out the different pieces, uh, whatever, because the entire claim otherwise would have been over half a million rands. And uh, so you can understand there's a lot of expensive technical equipment here. So we've got everything that we need is being covered. Yay. So in the next little while, we'll, we'll have it. So you, you'll have scriptures up on the screen and that sort of thing in future. But right now, you've got a Bible, yes? Or you know somebody's got one. Just befriend them quickly. Okay. And where are you going? How prophetic are you? First Corinthians chapter 14. You knew that. Oh, yes. I would have said that too. Yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. This is the NIV. See? NIV. So I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. How many? Everyone. Everyone. But I would rather have you prophesy. Okay. I'm going to explain that in a moment. Don't get thrown off there. If, if you were reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, it was said, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Okay, ESV. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. How many is all? Okay, it's true. And even in the Greek, it also means... Like all. Okay? So I want everyone, I want all. It's like, Paul is saying here, hey guys, 
When you come together as the church, this speaking in tongues thing is for all you all. Almal. Zonke. Everybody. You all. It's kind of like, oh my goodness. Because for some of us, we've bounced into some teachings or experiences where it's kind of like, you know what? Tongues is only for the spiritual elite. Like if you're really spiritual, you get tongues. If God really loves you, you get tongues. If you are a good Christian, you get tongues. But if you're an immature believer or you're not really that good, no tongues for you. Yeah? It's kind of like, oh my goodness. Paul is writing to this church and this church is like supernatural on steroids. We see it later on in the passage. It's kind of like they would go off in tongues like for long extended periods. It even the text suggests and a number of the, the scholars are kind of like saying, hey, the guys would get up and would preach in tongues. And they would go on and on and on in tongues. And he said, hey, people won't know what it is you're saying. It'll be like if the, if the bugle doesn't sound a proper tune, no one will know how to respond. So tongues all good and well, but actually we need some interpretation so we can know what's actually being said. So it seems that the guys would, would almost be preaching in tongues. It's like, hey, we don't actually know what you're preaching on. It's like, well, you've got the gift of discernment, figure it out. It's kind of like, no, Paul says, guys, you're doing this all back to front. This is not good. This is not helpful. I'd far rather five words that are intelligible than 10,000 10,000. That's a lot of tongues. 10,000 words that are unintelligible. Or are there five? Can you see? So he's not saying no tongues. We saw that last week. He said, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Like it's pretty clear. It doesn't get more clear than that. Do not forbid. In other words, permit. Do. Okay. So it's about the fact that tongues and prophecy is a little bit different. Ah. And this is why this passage is so challenging to many people. Because Paul is he's, he's, he's kind of like shepherding and herding, if you like, three different things and to get them to go in the same direction. Number one, tongues. Number two, tongues with interpretation. And number three, prophecy. And he's trying to shepherd and herd these things in the same direction. And what makes it even more difficult as he's bouncing between these three things, tongues, tongues with interpretation, and prophecy, is that in the Greek, he uses the same word for two different things. It's like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. Because the Greek word... Glossalea 
or glossé, depending on the form, is for tongues. And it's the same word for tongues that is a prayer language, is the same Greek word as for tongues that comes with an interpretation. And you're going, oh, this is all Greek to me. (laughs) Yeah, it is, it's tough. Okay, how can we figure out the difference? Great question. Good answer is the direction. So if the tongues is a prayer language from my spirit to the spirit of God, it's a vertical, Godward, upward direction, spirit to spirit. I'm not praying with my mind in a language I know. I'm praying by the spirit in a language of the spirit and I'm praying spirit to spirit, but it's from me to God. That's the direction. Elsewhere in Corinthians, he talks about, you know what, you're interceding and you're praying by the Spirit and it's just like groans. It's not even words, but it's Spirit to Spirit and you're connecting, but it's going up to God. And in some of our meetings, we've experienced this. I mean, people just like, like encountering the Holy Spirit and there's just like unusual sounds. Like, is it a lion? Like, is it wailing? Is it groaning? Is it travailing? Like, are you going to give birth on the carpet here? What is going on? Okay, it's that thing from Corinthians. And and it's, it's just like, it's mysteries, but it's spirit, it's so deep, it's spirit to spirit. Yeah? Okay, so... Is the vertical. But then, sometimes God speaks and he speaks in a language we don't understand. And the direction is from the throne to earth. But it's God speaking. It comes with an anointing and it comes with an authority. It comes with a prophetic sense It's kind of like, okay, this is now God speaking. This is different from, I'm just worshiping the Lord, or I'm seeking the Lord for something, or I'm kind of like wrestling with God about something. Me to God doesn't need an interpretation. That's between you and God. But if it's God now saying something, the direction is from heaven to earth, we need to figure out what he's saying. It needs an interpretation. Not a translation, an interpretation. A little bit different. Okay? We'll unpack this, I don't know if it's before Christmas or after Christmas, (laughs) at this rate, and which year's Christmas, I don't know either. Okay. But, But the direction is from heaven to earth. That needs an interpretation. But it's the same Greek word for that kind of a tongue as the prayer language kind of a tongue. Ah, that's why it's so confusing. And Paul is kind of like herding these things. Tongues, prayer, tongue and interpretation, a prophetic message, and straight prophecy. 
And he's herding these things and he's giving us the guidelines in the New Testament how to operate in these things. Because he's bringing us out of the shadows <laughs> and into the light. Jesus is the light of the world. Hey guys, when you're doing these things in the light and you're doing it in love, this is how we do things. And he never wrote it like a scientific textbook. Come on. Some of us, the way we think, you know, we're kind of like logical. It's like step one, step two, step three. That's how we enjoy that kind of thing. Paul didn't write it like a textbook. He's, he's got this sort of creative thing going. And he does a bit of this, and then he does a bit of that, then he goes back to that thing, then he brings a bit of this in, and he adds a bit more. It's kind of like, where are we now? That's why it's a little bit difficult to kind of piece this all together. Like, actually, what are you trying to teach us? Because it's not like verse, then the next verse, then the next verse. He's not doing that. It's not like he's writing to the, the Romans. He's like, boom, 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 boom. He's not doing that yet. Very, very different. That's why it's kind of like, okay, so where's this? And because people, sometimes people come to the scriptures without the spirit. Without the one who actually wrote, inspired the spirit. They only come with the mind. So now we actually kind of like, okay, what did you say there? And the spirit is not giving illumination. They're trying to figure it out by man's ability to try and decode who God is. And we're going to end up with some weird answers. We need the Holy Spirit to shine His light in us and through us, illuminate what the Spirit was trying to say to and through Paul to us. We need the Spirit to help us. Yeah? Otherwise, it's like the Pharisees. Jesus, he's standing in front of them. He says, dudes, you go to the scriptures looking for me. I'm standing in front of you and you can't even see me. Like they devoted their whole lives to studying academically the scriptures, trying to look for the Messiah. And the Messiah says, hello. And it's kind of like, can't see. Must be another. When we do things just out of the mental space, we're going to miss what the Spirit is trying to lead us to. And it's not an excuse to kiss your brains goodbye. No, 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 no. Because He gave us a mind. He gave us a brain. But it's with the Spirit, not without the Spirit. Okay. So. Here he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 5, I would like every one of you, can you say everyone? everyone. That was the NIV, the ESV. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. Can you say that? I want you all. All right. In the New Living Translation, can I read for the first five verses? Okay. So the New Living Translation is a bit of a loosely, slightly more loosely paraphrased version. Okay, they're different. Oh gosh, how many hours have we got? Different translators of the Bible came with very fundamentally different approaches to translating the scriptures. 
Some of them came word for word. Some of them came phrase for phrase. Some of them came like thought for thought. Some of them try to be as close and accurate to the Greek, and some of them try to make it poetic and more in our language. And that's why we get these differences in what comes through and comes out of the different translations. And, you know, Hebrew to English or Greek to English is challenging, much like Afrikaans to English is challenging. Hey, het nie die bal geskop nie. Oor die pale. Oh, gosh. He did not kick the ball not over the poles. That was yesterday. Definitely didn't get it over the poles. So we see from Afrikaans to English, like what do we do with these double negatives and all these kinds of things? Yeah? And... Um, I was going to say for my sins. It wasn't for my sins. But anyway, when I was a youngster uh, at school, I had to take Latin. And Omo, Amasamat, Amamas, Amatis, Amant. Declensions. If you speak German, you understand these things. So you've got declensions. You've got um, all these different nuances. So a, 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 We talk about a ship as a she. Like, but it's a ship, man. But it's got a gender assigned to it. Okay? So in the Greek, every word has got like, is it male, masculine, feminine, is it neutral? Is it passive? Is it active? Is it being done to it? Is it doing it to somebody? All these different things in the original language. I see. What do you mean I see? I mean I recognize, or I realize, or... I'm looking with my eyes. Subtle, but I just said, I see. But in the Greek, it's so specific that we can know exactly what the author was meaning. And the author is the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Okay. So, the New Living Translation tries to pull some of these things together in a slightly looser way, so it's not the most sort of academically accurate translation, but there's some things in here I thought would help us. Okay, so New Living Translation. Come on, on your phone, you can check, change version, NLT. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. So instead of saying gifts, they're saying abilities. Okay? So what does that tell you about the translators? They've got a particular understanding about supernatural things. Hello? Come on, the spirit of discernment is already kicking in. It's kind of like, oh, they've now downgraded these things to abilities. Are you tracking with me? Okay, there's something kind of like, okay. So they've got a particular aspect in mind might be okay okay what get into trouble you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy for if you have the ability to speak in tongues you will only be talking to god since people won't be able to understand you okay so this is tongues speaking to god can we see it upward okay they brought it out quite nicely there 
You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Now those people around you won't know what's going on. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's actually the verse I was trying to get to six weeks ago. Still haven't got there yet. Maybe by Christmas. Verse 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Okay, so now what's he doing? You pray in tongues, you get strengthened. But now when we step into the realm of prophecy, and just now he's going to say tongues with an interpretation, now we get into the realm of encouraging, strengthening the whole church. So now he's bringing out subtle differences between just tongues, the prayer language, you get strengthened, and tongues with interpretation and prophecy, which encourage and strengthen the entire church. And there's the distinction, which is why he would rather us do this bit when we are gathered. He says, listen, Oaks, we know he's South African, eh? Oaks, I pray in tongues more than all of you. In other words, he's got such a high value, he's going for it, he's gunning for it. This is this church that preaches in tongues. The church preaches in tongues and he says, I pray in tongues more than any of you. In other words, he's got an even higher value for tongues than what they have. But he says, but when you come together, Rather than 10,000 words in a tongue, I'd rather have five intelligible words because it's going to build up and strengthen when we gather together. Don't forbid, but here's a higher, a more superior way. We get an upgrade on the upgrade when we have the interpretation, when we have the prophecy. Tongues is brilliant, fantastic, awesome, dynamic, powerful. And even more when it's prophecy. Making sense? Verse 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Verse 5. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Unless someone interprets what you're saying so the whole church will be strengthened. What's this unless? The unless is the tongues with interpretation. That's the difference. So tongues, unless it's a tongue that is coming with an interpretation or a prophecy. Getting the three things. Okay. I keep looking at the back wall. There is no clock. Uh, all right. Verse 23, I'm back to the NIV, the nearly infallible version of the NIV. Chapter 14, verse 23. So if the whole church, can you say whole church? It's kind of like, oh my goodness, he's talking about the whole gathering of the whole church. I wonder what this place would look like if the whole church gathered. I guess we'll find out on the 4th of December. It's like there's a bride. We just know that the whole church is going to gather on the 4th of December. All right. If the whole church comes together 
And everyone speaks in tongues. Can you say everyone speaks in tongues? What was Paul's intention? His intention was that when the whole church comes together, everyone speaks in tongues. Not just a few people. Get thee behind me. (laughs) Whole church, everyone. This is the Bible. The Bible is not saying, hey, the gift of tongues is only for a few people. It's not saying you've got to work your way up, pray more, read your Bible more, fast more, give more, believe more, sinless, then you will get a reward, you'll be able to speak in tongues. No, no, no. Tongues is not a reward for good behavior. Tongues is a gift to receive. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and the gang Hanging out at home, Peter pops up and he's preaching. And while he's preaching, God interrupts the sermon. And the Holy Spirit falls upon all those that are gathered there and they break out in speaking in tongues. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all speak in tongues. They're praising and proclaiming the good things of God. And Peter says, you Something like that. He says, these guys have received the same spirit that we received at first. So tell you what, guys. Let's now get you water baptized. As an outward demonstration of this inward reality that you are God's. Now, they were sitting there. They hadn't yet been baptized, they hadn't yet been a bunch of believers. They were Gentiles. Holy Spirit comes, fills them as they're listening and they're receiving the message of faith. The Holy Spirit falls on them, they speak in tongues. They'd never been to a Christian church in their lives before. They'd never done a good Christian thing. They hadn't earned the gift of tongues. They received it. This is not about I need to be a good person and I need to be a believer for a certain number of years before I qualify to receive the gift of the Spirit. Come on, this changes heaps of people's thinking who are kind of like, oh, it's okay for them, but... I don't qualify because I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritually mature enough. And people withdraw from eagerly desire. They disqualify themselves from pursuing this which the Lord has for us. And he's just said, hey guys, all, everyone, whole, Alma, you all, you all, use, yellow, 
Alright? Okay, can I have a couple more minutes? Okay. When the whole church comes together, everyone speaks in tongues. Verse 24, this gets a little bit difficult, so I'll come and explain it another time. Please come back. I'll explain, because it seems at first, verse 24 is saying the opposite of what it's saying. So please, help me by giving me the opportunity to explain. Okay? So when an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, can you say everyone is prophesying? Like everyone is prophesying. I mean, that's what the Bible says. It's like, hey guys, when things are happening, everyone is prophesying. Not a few, not just the upgraded, you know, the, the people on the platform, not like the elite spiritual bunch. It's just like, hey, everyone is prophesying. Then in verse um, 26, uh, each of you, you're coming together, and then it says, everything must be done in verse 26. Everything must be done. This is Paul writing to the spiritual church and he's saying, guys, all these things, this prophesying, this tongues, this interpretation, all of the stuff, it must be done. If you as a church want to grow to maturity, it must happen. Make room for it. Do it. Just do it. It's long before Nike. Just do it. This must be done. Not, hey, you guys, nothing else to do. Quiet day, quiet Sunday. Hardly anybody there. You know, just make something up. No, no, no. This must be done. This is right up there with eagerly pursue and desire. Go after it. Make it an intention. It must happen. It must be done. Not... Hey, you've got nothing else to do. Maybe think about it, consider. No, 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 no. Front and center, priority must be done. Mm -hmm. Verse 31. For you can all prophesy in turn. For you can... Oh my goodness. The expectation for the church. Remember, when they were writing... They wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. In other words, the entire gathering of the thousands of people that were part of the church, he's writing and has read out loud corporately. No photocopy machine. No print, have a Bible at home. No, no, come to the gathering and we will read the letter out loud to everyone at the same time. And when he's saying all, he's meaning everybody who's listening to the reading out of the letter. It's not like, hey, only the first couple of rows, the rest of you, you can go home. It's not like, hey, this is just for the elders and the deacons, the rest of you, sorry, you're dismissed. So no, he's writing to the church that you all may prophesy. Come on now. Come on, this is God's intention for the whole body of Christ. Jesus, come on, words of Jesus. Turn with me, please, to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We're happy with that verse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, the words of Jesus in red, important. Go and preach the whole 
The gospel, all of creation. Verse 17. And these signs will accompany the super apostles. These signs will follow the pastors. These signs will follow the spiritual elite. What does your Bible say? Those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Come on, believers have the authority in God to drive out demons. Every single believer. Every single believer. Every single believer has the authority in God to tell the devil all of those words. And next, they will speak in tongues. Words of Jesus. Go, make disciples, preach the gospel, spread the good news everywhere you go, kick out the devil, speak in tongues. Later on it's going to say, lay hands on the sick, they're going to get, get well. We'll sort out the snakes, we'll sort out poison, we'll sort out all these things. Speak in tongues. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Which is what the disciples were doing by the speaking in tongues bit. He was training them. But when the Spirit was poured out, day of Pentecost, fire empowered tongues. And Jesus is prophesying. He said, listen, all these signs will follow those who believe. Are you a believer? You qualify. This is not just for a few people. This is for all those who believe. Come on, why is this important? This is important because if we don't do this, if we don't keep at it, if we don't create the whirlpool, if we don't keep on ensuring that the things of God are happening, when people jump in, they're kind of like, there's no movement here. I'm staying in the same place. I just jumped in and they kind of like, they said everything would change, but there's no movement. I'm not changed. There's no power. And how much of Christianity has become a powerless expression of some kind of faith? And yet, no. Come on, people. This is what we're doing. We're intentionally creating the environment that people jump in. They get, oh yes, this is what it's meant to be. We're intentionally and actively stirring the waters. The supernatural happens when the waters are stirred. Thank you so much. Appreciate the extra few minutes. Let's stand. Last week, we were saying, Lord, would you stir up a hunger, an eagerness for more? Right? It was the whole thing about being eager. 
Now what we're saying is, Lord, where I believed an untruth, a lie, when I believed an untruth that I was excluded from this, Lord, I repent. I align myself with your word. And I now believe that prophecy is for me. And tongues is for me. It's for all of us who serve the Lord. That's what we're going to pray now. Okay? Holy Spirit, we thank you for revelation that you take truth and you make it alive to us. And not in just a, a way that intrigues us, but a way that transforms us. And so we ask that you would cause this word to come alive in us, that you would stir up an anticipation, an eagerness, a hope, a faith, a zeal, a pursuit of pressing in for more of the Spirit and for the flowing and the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, including tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. That we as a company of people would so go after this thing that we would be found faithful that you would be able to entrust us with more. That we can go from glory to glory. That we can move in the things of the Spirit and come to a place of greater understanding and greater revelation and greater insight. That we might make a greater impact on our families, on our street, on our city, and on our nation. So thank you, Lord, that you are intentionally grabbing hold of our attention and you're stirring us up because we know that the best is yet to come. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So do that, Holy Spirit. And as we go from this place, may we go in peace, your protection, we thank you. We have access to your resources and your provision. Yeah. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you, thank you.